Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Wow, it's amazing you survived. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. It's your reticular activating system. (laughs) With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. It was one of the darkest days in family history when we broke a vase in the good room. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. After the wicker lobbyists died down, they moved on to RC Cola. Hello, everyone, and welcome to What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Mother. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're going to talk about why was this a thing, some of the random rules that we once lived by for some reason. I'm ready for this. I feel like <laughs> there were so many of these things back in the day. And, and I do also want to say that, I mean, this is still going on. Like people still will give you extremely strong advice about things. And you just think, what is that thing you just said out loud? As I like to say to my husband, sometimes I'll be like, why do you see like four types of the same car in a row sometimes on the highway? let's say. And my husband cannot help but answer the question. Like he, and it's become a joke between us that I'm like, it's your reticular activating system. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Like, why do you see Mars sometimes in the winter sky? He's like, well, because, and I can just tell he has no idea, but he can't not answer the question. I have a friend, a hilarious friend who at some point said, do you know anything about blah, blah, blah? And I said, no. And he was really disappointed. And he said, do you want to just pretend you do? And we'll talk about it anyway. Like he just wanted to talk about it. And that's my husband's whole life philosophy. But I do see a lot of people still giving very stern advice about things that they clearly know nothing about. Okay. But most of these for today are ones that like, why do we ever worry about these? Why were we told that these were things we had to do? That's sort of my rule for today, but we'll see how they come out. It's strong opinions that are ill-informed from the past. Yes, right. That was like, why was this ever a thing? So I'll start strong. My grandmother, Mary Connor Wilson, she of the uh, tweet tweet. I don't know if she made that up, but that's why we say it because my grandmother used to say it. Tweet tweet about everything. She didn't care about much. Everything just, she just said tweet tweet to everything. Nothing mattered. The world is a useless place. Nothing matters, but nothing got to her except for two things. And I'm talking like including when she was pretty advanced dementia and living with us. Mm. There were two things. Most things just, you know, passed by, but two things that she cared about. The first one, no baseball hats inside. 
Do you remember this? Like you had to take off. I mean, we didn't wear baseball hats as much as our, our, you know, the boys in our lives, maybe. But like you had to get them off as soon as you got inside or it was incredibly rude. Well, I have a story about this. Okay. When I was in college, my grandmother passed away and I had a really good friend, male friend. We were not dating. We were friends. Still one of my closest friends in the entire world. And he kept a car in the city because his mom lived in the city. So I went to college in New York City, lived, grew up outside the city. And so he heard my grandmother died. And as just a gesture of straight kindness, he offered to drive me home so that I could be with my family, which he then did in the afternoon at some point. My mother invited him to stay for dinner. She was going out of her way to say, like, what a nice thing that you did to like, you know, Meg didn't have to schlep to the subway and find a train. You just took her home. Lovely. We had a nice meal. Wonderful time. Great time. He leaves after, you know, six or seven hours of like being with the family in our time of need. And after his exit, my mom in her very passive aggressive way said, now what a lovely young man. Now, where is he from that you wear a baseball cap inside the house? Like, despite the fact that he had, like, sacrificed this entire day to, like, make us a gesture. Like, carried her out of a burning building. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Like, he, like, saved the day. But my mom was just obsessed with the fact. And I will say he wore it through dinner. And, like, Mm -hmm. it's never been forgotten. Like, we have now been friends for probably 30 years. My mother's now passed. But if she was here, she'd be like, oh, I love that Robert. But he did wear a baseball cap to dinner once. And, like, that cannot be forgotten or forgiven. This is sort of morphed into a baseball hat is fine, but a baseball hat backwards, at least in like sort of, you know, old fashioned country club circles. Like that's the, that is the most flaming height of disrespect that can be offered for you to walk into a place with your baseball hat on backwards. That just gets under people's skin and and they want to have rules against it. I mean, I've been there when those rules were expressed. My husband turned his baseball cap around the other day and both of my sons informed him that he was too old to wear his hat like that and he should turn it back around. So they have their own rules. I didn't know that rule. I will say I am spending a, a part of my vacay, my summer break in Texas, where my husband hails from. And I think that Maybe this is too broad a statement. It seems like in the South, some of the kind of societal rules are still very, they're observed in a kind of all society way, in a way that I think in New York, maybe because there's so many different cultures and stuff, it's not true. Right, right. But I have been at events, yeah, where like one of my kids has a baseball cap on or just some other kid does and they walk into like church or it's the anthem is playing somewhere and it's just something that my kids are not tuned into and like the older men in the crowd will turn around and be like take off that hat young man like they're very into the kind of rules which is fine so these are the random rules that some of us still live by so the other thing that my grandmother felt very strongly about when much else had fallen away no baseball hats in the house (laughs) She no longer remembers her current location or her spouse's name, but she remembers. Right. She didn't know where she was, but you get that hat off. Yeah. And the other one was no whistling in the house. She felt very strongly that kind of women shouldn't whistle at all, but under no circumstances should you whistle 
indoors. I would like to stand outside at a respectful distance from the house and doff my cap to your grandmother. Because (laughs) if I could eliminate whistling as an event worldwide, I would do so. In or out of the house. Uh Like if I could push a button that said no one ever whistles again, I would smash that like button so hard, Amy. (laughs) Whistling is my kryptonite. It's the worst sound. I don't mind the occasional like two fingers in the mouth, like call for the horse. Like the neighborhood that doesn't kids. bother That's me. Right. Can't okay. do it. But like a strong like whistle to summon someone once every, you know, seven months, I would be fine with. But like someone who whistles just and horrifying. So I remember being a kid of like, I think it was like the summer I was seven. Like my one goal for the summer was learn to whistle. Like figure that out, that skill that was just beyond my capabilities. Swim across the pool and learn how to whistle because that was like part of, you know, becoming the person that I needed to be. And then once you learn how to whistle, I kind of, I don't, I mean, I can't even tell you the last time I whistled. Here's an irony. I'm a pretty damn good whistler. Like, I'm really like a gifted whistler, but I hate whistling. I mean, whistling. Even songs that are like, they have whistling. I just, the sound of it makes me crazy. It makes my skin crawl. I am team Amy's grandma all the way. All right. So I'm starting to find out that these rules are maybe not so as passed away as I thought they were. We're two for two. You being like, no, yeah, no. Baseball hats backwards. No whistling. I mean, it's not... Neither one of them, I don't find the like kind of, shall we say, patrician manners aspect interesting, but I just want to eliminate whistling worldwide. Don't want to hear that. No. Okay. Yeah. Forget eliminating, you know, polio. I want to eliminate whistling. Did you grow up believing that you would drown if you went in the water without waiting 30 minutes after you ate? 30 minutes like on the clock. Yeah. On the clock. Correct. Like my mom would let me know we were at Lake Hideaway and we'd have our, you know, hamburgers on a sort of plate that I'll get to because those were, <laughs> they were once a very important thing. And then you had to be full half hour, full, like, oh, like five more um, minutes. Why? Who said that? How did that catch fire before Twitter? Like before the era, era of misinformation? I was a curious child. And of course, I drilled down on this. And I was like, what's with it? And then my parents would sternly, probably my mother, explain that, in fact, if you tried to swim too close to eating, that you would get a cramp and drown. Yeah. I mean, that was the explanation, but that's not true. (laughs) Oh, no, no, no. It's not true. I wasn't sure if you'd heard the backup text. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, because you'll drown if you do that, because you'll get a terrible cramp. But it doesn't... Who said that? Like, I don't think our parents were, like, tricking us. This wasn't like... Let's all pull one over in the kid. They believed it firmly. Oh, no, no, no. They believed it. No, 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 no. Why would they want us not swimming? Why would they want us hanging out? Like it was a torture for them. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know who put this in people's heads and how it caught fire. Like was it on an episode of Chips? Like how did it come across so clearly to every one of our parents? That Yes. Highly unclear. But it was definitely a rule. And you're right. Like there was a timer involved. Mm-hmm. Not a minute less. Do you remember, speaking of, you know, summer afternoons, that paper plates, back in the day, you couldn't just have a paper plate. It had to have like a wicker holder that it went in, like a oh my charger. God. The, it, people, youngies, you will never understand the unbelievable satisfaction of clicking the paper plate into the wicker holder. It would make the most satisfying, like, click, 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 
you would, so picture like a very flat wicker basket and then your paper plate would go into it, but then like the sides of the paper plate would click under the lip of the wicker holder. But this one I actually understand. This is technology. Drove the wicker basket out. Yeah, because paper plates used to be totally... Yeah, because paper plates used to be like the, yeah, like the width of a tissue. And so I remember, in fact, the theme song is on the edge of my mind. A theme song for the wicker holders that the paper plates? No, it was about paper plate. There was a million ads. You know how like the Snuggie ads or the infomercial ads are like, yeah. you know how a blanket is. And it's like a woman trying to like use the remote while having a blanket. And she's like murdering herself with the blanket. Like it's like, oh, I can't possibly. And then she gets her Snuggie on and she's like, oh, now I can use the remote completely normally. There was a lot. Oh, no, I'm thinking of actually the theme song I'm thinking of is something like Hefty versus Wimpy. But that was actually about garbage bags. Hefty, hefty, hefty. That's all I got from there. Yes. And the Wimpy, Wimpy, Wimpy. That's the one I'm thinking of. But that was garbage bags. But so much the youngs are like, what are you people talking about? What are you talking about? But those were the wicker holders were like a little classy. Like you had, I feel like you, if you had people over, you use those. But there were, the reason I'm thinking about the advertisement is because there was when like reinforced paper plates first started coming on the scene, which I'm going to say early eighties, maybe there was a million ads where like a guy was at a picnic or at an event and someone would try to put a meatball on his plate and like the paper plate would fold the wrong way. And then everyone at the party was like, womp, womp, like you lost your meatball. And then someone would be like, but I have a, you know, this kind of plate. And it was, it would hold up to a meatball. Like that was a big advertising advantage of certain paper plates like and i don't think they advertise these wicker holders like i don't know if they had a name i don't know what it was no just everybody just knew about them they just caught on like and, and again like before there was tiktok how did everybody just all of a sudden know you had to have these wicker holders and know where to go get them i don't know but there was some sort of mom mafia pushing right the big wicker was pushing wicker baskets to all of the uh moms and the word got out and let me tell you, Big Wicker had a gigantic downfall in the uh, early 80s when someone figured out, what if you just put eight plates together and, you know, glue them together and make a strong plate? Right. The decorative basket craze went to paper plate. All sorts of things were a little bit better with a little wicker. Everything needed a little wicker. You're not wrong. <laughs> All right. We'll be back with even more random rules we once lived by. Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. 
Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. We agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero-gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L-U-M-E-N dot M-E, lumen.me, and use the code FRESH at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. Do you remember growing up, like, being absolutely freezing in your house on a weekend morning? or even like late at night or whatever, but knowing that the absolute worst thing that anybody could do was turn the heat up. You had a heating system, but you couldn't really use it. I do. And then I once had a roommate who had clearly grown up in this kind of house. It's the coldest I've ever been in my life. I lived in San Francisco for a year and my roommate had clearly grown up in this house. We're like, who needs heat? Put on a sweater. Like I was constantly... There's something about the cold in San Francisco. It's like that like wet, foggy cold. It's like it's like the cold like creeps into your like collar and down your back. Like it's cold. And so it would be like, I don't know, 59 degrees. We're not talking about freezing. <laughs> and soggy, damp, and very chilly. Yes. It's a wet chilly. I guess she didn't want to pay the heating bill, which is I think the reason why we would scream about this. But I would be so cold and I would stuff towels against the cracks in my door and secretly turn on the little floor heater in my room and like be roasty toasty in my room. But then before I could leave my room, I had to open all the windows and like remove all evidence. 
push all the heat out to remove all evidence that I had used a heater because yes, like the disgusting personal indulgence of using a heater was like anathema to this woman. Right. It was there, but you couldn't use it. I mean, and no air conditioning. I grew up in a um, very big, you know, old house. So that's why my parents didn't want the heat on ever because it was expensive to heat things. And we didn't have air conditioning except like maybe like window units in certain rooms. But yeah, this idea that like heat was like plasma, like you weren't, it was a resource you weren't allowed to use at all because there wasn't enough of it. Well, I see your heat and I raise you telephone calls. I mean, this is another thing that like the youngs cannot relate to, but in my day... Right. They were a precious, precious resource. And still, I would call my grandmother, who passed away in the 90s, and she lived like, I don't know, four miles from us. It was not a long-distance call. But I'd be like, Grandma, how are you? And she'd be like, great. Okay, I don't want to use up the phone bill. Okay, goodbye. Like, she... The idea of talking on the phone was like, what are you just, you know, ripping up $100 bills? Why don't you just do that instead of calling me? And I think back in the day, like a long distance call, which would have been considered like New York to Connecticut, I think they did charge by the minute. It was 10 cents a minute. Yeah, like people now could relate in the olden days of cell phones when you paid like by the minute and it was very expensive. That's right. But a long distance phone call. Oh my gosh. And then, but definitely people of a generation never got that idea out of their head. And yeah, I mean, my dad still has a little bit of it where you'll call and he's like, okay, great talking to you after two minutes. Like, <laughs> right, right. The idea of what are we gabbing on the phone, just, I mean, horrifying. Yep, I identify with that. Did you grow up with, and now again, I understand why this was a thing. I suggest that maybe this is less of a thing than it used to be. Did you grow up with a room that nobody was ever allowed to go in? Amy, it was called the good room. And we never <laughs> went in it. It was called the good room. Ours was the living room, which was ironically named because we opened Christmas presents in there. That was all we did in there. Oh my God. We grew up in the exact same family. We only went in on Christmas Day, the good room. Yeah. In fact, story about that. My younger brother, he was four or five years old, had reason to wander into that room one day and said, where's the Christmas tree? Because the only times he was ever in that room, there was a Christmas tree in there. He only knew it. Is this universal? Please come to the Facebook group and tell us if this is something that you guys grew up with. Because yes, I think this was very Irish, the good room, that the house would have... A living, we had a living room. Was it called the library? I think where we actually sat, it was called the library and it did have some books. It had built-ins and it had some books. So that was called the library, but the living room. And then we had a family room. And that's like TV and board games. And the family room was for watching TV. Now the library was for cocktails and like sitting, that was like where the adults sat in the library. And then the family room had a TV and a couch. That was, everyone was allowed in The there. good room. But the good room? Yes. You never went in the good room, Amy. The good room was only, and one time, let me tell you, and this will strike fear in your Irish Catholic heart. We were playing a game of tag and chase and we involved the good room. We went in the good room. Who crossed that line? I can't imagine. I mean, it was like, you know, when a fever takes over a group of people, like <laughs> yes. it was like insane. Yes. Like we all went insane yep. and we were running through the good room and guess what we did? We broke a vase in the good room and wow, 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 wow. 
It was one of the darkest days in family history when we broke a vase in the good room. We weren't even supposed to be in the good room, Amy, and we broke <laughs> right. a vase. And that's why. Yeah. That is a hilarious reminder of something. Again, like this did not seem unusual to me growing up. Mm -hmm. Now you don't have a room in your house where nobody's allowed to go. I mean, I live in an apartment, so um, <laughs> no. And also like it's a different day and like it's all one room, right? Like somebody decided that was a good idea around the 90s and now it's just open floor plans and it's all just one big it's room. It's open floor plan. Yeah. That's what our kids will be making podcasts about. Like, why didn't we have walls? That would have been nice. Yeah. I mean, I feel like people are picturing me growing up in like a mansion. These are very small rooms. You know what I mean? It's not like we had wings of the house. It's just that Unlike, right, in the modern build, like everything's very open, the house was like a series of small compartments and every compartment had a role. The other thing that I have told people that they find very hard to believe, but is true, our library, it opened, the library had a door without a door on it. So like an opening and that came into the dining room. Yeah. Okay. A doorway. And so my parents put up a baby gate that's, that was there until we were like 12. And there was one hour of the day that was adult talk time. And no children were allowed in the library during adult talk time. Now that's a rule that we should bring to the modern day. Six, I was usually, I think like my dad, I mean, we lived in the 1950s. My dad would come home from work on the train. He would come in, he would change from his like madman's mm -hmm. suit into like, like slacks, a shirt and a sweater. Like it was another fancy outfit. Like a Mr. Rogers relaxing. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Like he did not change it to like, my husband wears a t-shirt that says like, you know, I got wrecked on spring bake 1991 or whatever. That was not in his wardrobe. He would change into a full other Mr. Rogers outfit. Mm-hmm. He and my mother, and sometimes some neighbors or friends, would have cocktails in the library. It was that adult so talk nice. time, and a baby gate would be erected between the two rooms. And we would occasionally like hang on the baby gate and look in, like something fascinating must be happening. At which point we were informed, it's adult talk time, and we would be sent away. So you can't be there, you can't be in the good room, figure it out. Figure it out. I guess it's time to go to the family room because the good room is permanently closed until Christmas <laughs> and the library is adult talk time. So like it must be. And you know where we went? We went outside, Amy. Was it winter? Yes, it was. We went outside. Yep. We didn't have screens, Amy. We had outside or we had the family room. And guess what? You figured it out. It was like Lord of the Flies out there. The family room. The Muppet Show didn't start until 7.30. There was nothing on TV. What were we doing in there? We weren't going to watch the news, the nightly news. That was the only thing on at 6 o'clock. Here's another random rule that I grew up with that in my adulthood was like, wait a minute, this was always a lie. It was a terrible lie <laughs> that you can't use. You know how there's like reading lights in the car, like interior lights that you can put on so you can see in the car? You can't ever use those when you're driving at night or else the driver will crash the car because they won't be able to see. I still believe that is true. I still enforce that rule. It is. I'm here to tell you, free yourself. It's incredible. You don't need it. I have a lot of light sensitivity. And so I have a lot of trouble driving at night with like the oncoming headlights, particularly in this day of everybody's got those like 
you think they have their beams on? No, those are their regular lights. And then there'd be these like other beams that would vaporize you. Right. Their headlights are turned up to like 9,000 all the time. Those LED xenon bulbs on huge cars coming right at eye level. So I have a hard time with that. Guess what completely takes that away? You turn on the like the reading light in the car. So then there's a light source in the car and the light source coming at you. No problem. You can see fine. I am literally like breaking out into a cold sweat. Like I can feel my heart rate increasing as you say this. Like I completely live in the world. Like I have realized that half an hour after eating is a myth. But like if a kid in my car turns on the light, I scream as if like they just took out a butcher knife and like are coming for me. I'm like, turn that off. We're going to crash the car. You're telling me that like people recreationally turn reading lights on in your car and you keep driving? I'm telling you, I can see better at night with the interior light on, not less well. I will never be able to turn that corner, I can tell you. Like, I'm getting extremely agitated just at the thought of someone turning on a reading I understand. It's a foundational belief for you that I'm asking you to, like, yank away. You can't do that. I can't change. I'm too old. I'm too old. I'm an old dog. I can't learn this new trick. And they are called reading lights. You're right. Like, it would imply that they're for reading in the car. But oh my God, the second... Well, yeah, which obviously I'm not doing that if I'm driving. No, but I mean, it's kids in the back. I mean, I, you've blown my mind, Amy. Truly, you've wrecked my world. Set yourself free. Next thing you know, I'm going to be enjoying whistling. My God. Did you ever hear this one? This one was completely unfamiliar to me, but it made me laugh. That you weren't supposed to take showers when it was thunder and lightning outside? <laughs> Amy, are you insane? That's it's a route to immediate death. <laughs> I've never heard this one before. <laughs> what? This didn't make it to... Scranton. Oh my God. If you shower when it's thundering and lightning, somehow the lightning knows you're in the shower and travels through the pipes and kills you. Oh, no, I didn't know that. I'm not sure that's ever actually happened. Wow. It's amazing you survived. No, of course. You can't take a shower when it's thundering and lightning. Otherwise, you'll get electrocuted. Do you enforce this in your house? No, I kind of forgot about it until you just mentioned it now. But for sure, I'm very afraid of lightning. And thunder. I mean, no, I'm not afraid of thunder. I'm not afraid of it. I love a storm if I'm inside. Right. But I definitely, you know how we've talked about like quicksand having an outsized role and maybe because we grew up. Right. Like whistling. We thought quicksand would be a big part of our lives. We spent our summer, my grandmother had a house at the shore and uh, we would go to the beach all summer. We would just leave in May and come back in September, you know, June, whatever, whenever school got out. And we spent our whole summer at my grandma's house. And maybe because of that, like being in the water and we didn't, you know, what I realize now is that having been on vacation and like at shore points, I constantly look at my phone to, if it's cloudy and I'm like, is there lightning coming? But I think we grew up because we were always in the water in the summertime that like you had to be really aware of lightning and thunder because you didn't want to be in the water. And mm -hmm. I don't know. I grew up with an outsized fear that I would be struck by lightning. I mean, I don't think you should be in a swimming pool, right? Like, well, we went to the, the Long Island Sound and yeah, you'd be out in the water all day, but it was like you, you had to really listen for thunder and, and then you would come running, running out of the water. I don't know. I mean, it's not a bad fear. Like, don't be in the water when it's lightning. But you know what I mean? Like, now you can pull up your phone and be like, oh, we heard thunder, but it's, you know, a mile away and it's moving the other direction. And I think 
I don't know. I, I definitely, I was frightened of thunder and definitely, oh my gosh, don't take a shower. It's going to thunder and lightning a hundred percent. All right. We'll be back with even more random rules that some of us are still living by. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. Well, hey there, Busy Mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it. But I will give you practical and, more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests, too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. Welcome to the Why Is This News channel from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Bringing you news that's been making you ask, why is this news since the day you had kids? Hey, you guys, make sure you bring your dishes to the sink after dinner. Why do I have to clear the table? Because it's a day that ends in Y, dude. You always have to clear the table. Why is this news? Okay, kids, wrap up on screens. It's time for homework. What? Homework? Why? Yes, homework. Seriously, you have it every night. Why is this news? No walking on the couch. Since when? Since, uh, forever? Since the last 6,000 times I've said it? Why is this news? You have to wear pants to church. Every single time? Yes, every single time. Seriously, why is this news? Why is this news? This concludes today's broadcast from the Why Is This News channel. From the What Fresh Hell podcast. Amy, I have a quiz for you. Okay. How long does it take you to digest a swallowed piece of chewing gum? You can't swallow chewing gum. It'll like live in your stomach forever, right? No, for seven years. That's the correct answer. Oh, I heard forever. <laughs> okay. No, no, no. Seven years. I wanted to see if you'd grown up in the same um, wonderful world of terror that I did. We were told exactly seven years. Yes. Yeah, seven. And what would be magical about seven years? 
like to the day, right? You're free of it once you're, you get this happened to you and you're like, oh, well, at least when I'm 12. Yeah. Like basically if you accidentally swallowed a piece of gum, like mark the calendar, it's going to be in your system for seven years. Gum. I mean, while we're on this topic of things that seemed really important to have, like I was much more focused on gum and getting to have some when I was seven than I have at any point in my life since then. I don't chew gum. Because it was a rare treat or? Yeah. Or you kind of weren't supposed to have it because what if you swallowed it? I don't know. Like it was very, very important to me and now not so much. I would say that we had a really kind of healthy relationship with candy in that candy was fairly unavailable. Like the idea that you would buy a bag of candy, like a bag of Twix bars, that was only Halloween was candy really. Like nowadays, I don't know. It's like the aisle that had candy in bags was like, I can't wait for Halloween. So we're allowed to go in that aisle. <laughs> so we can walk down. Yeah. I don't know. We just did not have candy ever in our house. And then, but there was a place at the shore and it was called Wanda's Sugar Shack. And we would save all year. And then we would get to the shore and we would go with like, I don't know, $5 a piece. And it was this giant candy store. And we would just load up on giant bags of candy. We also had a Wawa's and they had amazing candy too. And all summer, we would like sit around and trade can. It was like so valuable, you know, and we would trade. Do you have a, do you have a Laffy Taffy left? I'll give you my, it was like our currency for the whole summer. These giant piles of candy it was the best. Oh, it was so good. Mm-hmm. Candy was a big part of my life because, I mean, I could walk certain places and one of them was McNeilis's Pharmacy where you could get a candy bar for 25 cents. And then there was a penny candy store that I could walk to also. So it was much more of a, a very regular part of my life to an extreme. Yeah, we could walk to Finch's Pharmacy, but it was it was probably two miles away. So like we really had to like it was an outing, but we would save our money. And Finch's also had, which we were talking about recently puffy stickers with the googly eyes for our puffy sticker collections so that was a big outing head to finches and load up on candy so good did you have this rule we did not have this rule in our house but i read this as a, a very important rule of people's childhoods that you could only have one kind of cereal open at a time in your house i do feel like when we were little that the difference between the grown-up cereal and the kid cereal i agree bright line <laughs> bright line that the kids cereal was like insane i was just doing a puzzle with my 18 year old and you know it's like collections of might have old movies or this one had a collection of old cereal boxes and it was like frankenberry and booberry and you know super honeycomb and he was like roaring at these cereals that we ate and like yeah yeah no we had this in our house it's just food coloring and marshmallows they don't make frankenberry anymore oh i think they do but yeah my 18 year old was extremely unfamiliar with it and it's not because i make a meat oatmeal every morning but just like the kid cereals that my kids accept are like honey nut cheerios not oops all berries that's but funny. they're out there my kids are way into oops all berries my kids are cereal monsters like they love the grossest cereal, like it's like, oops, all berries, but what if it had marshmallows? I mean, they like the really gross cereals. I remember you brought up oops, all berries like six months ago on an episode. And I was like, excuse me, what is this? What are these words? Yeah, I didn't know what that was. Yeah, we're a sugary cereal gang. We really like it. I am going to link in the show notes to the funniest. I mean, I hope it holds up, but it is an article about Count Chocula giving a press conference 
And he rises from his tomb and just starts attacking all of the reporters. He's like an evil vampire, but it's Count Chocula. And it is maybe my favorite thing ever. There was much more innovation in the kid serial space back in the day. We call this, my friend Mindy and I call this candyvation, serialvation. And it's like, we constantly text each other pictures of like, it's a Reese's, but now it's got white chocolate and Krispies on the top. Like, it's like, wh- who is out there just all day being like, we could add marshmallows to Oops All Berries. Like, it's like an arms race of insane candy innovations. And it's just, it tickles me to think of who is out there thinking of these things. Did you have a rule growing up in your house that you weren't allowed to drink until you finished your dinner? Like first you ate and then you drank, otherwise you'd fill up on (laughs) the drink and you wouldn't eat your dinner. No, we had a one soda rule. We were canned soda drinkers, at least by middle school. And we had a one soda rule. My drink of choice was Pepsi and it was one Pepsi, but definitely not I mean, this would have to be for littler kids. I don't wait. What I'm saying is no familiarity with this rule. This was like on a weeknight, you'd have a Pepsi with dinner. Yes. But only one. Yeah. Can you imagine like the rules we used to live? Only one Pepsi per dinner for me. Thanks. And now we'd be well, like. Well, definitely it came in later because I definitely remember as a kid, we, I had some friend whose dad was in soda distributor. I feel like soda didn't really come in until we were, I don't know, we didn't grow up drinking soda, basically. After the wicker lobbyists died down, they moved on to RC Cola. After the wicker, yeah, soda, RC Cola. But I remember going to a friend's house and they had like a cabinet with pallets of soda in it. And I just remember thinking like, this is what heaven must look like, like this. And now again, like in this Costco world, like I feel like everybody's house has that now. But the idea that you would have like an endless supply of soda in your house was to me, I mean, like touching the face of God. Exciting, but also like neutral. Like I definitely viewed like a soda or I mean, didn't drink water ever, except out of the fountain at school, I guess, maybe. We would have, at dinner, we would have iced tea, but it was the powdery kind. Like, I'd be in charge of making for dinner. Oh, the best. We lived on that stuff. I would drink that right now. Yeah, and it was powdered iced tea. Mm -hmm. Powdered drinks were the greatest. The height of elegance, people. If you didn't have soda, because soda might just be, like, for special, then you would just have this powdered iced tea, or high C. I feel like we didn't have soda in the house until like high school, probably. But yes, powdered. That's right. We always had a pitcher, like a plastic pitcher. And someone's job before dinner was to add water to the powder and make... With the giant wooden spoon sticking. Yeah, exactly. That was a rule we used to live by. Yeah. Crystal light. Oh, so good. So guys, we had it so good. So good. Amy, things... For company. The whole word company, we're having company. Yes. We're going to link. I believe I've linked to it once before, but it's worth a rewatch. Do you know the comedian Sebastian Maniscalco, I think is how you say his last name? I do because you brought him to my attention talking about company. Oh my God. He does the funniest, funniest. I really, it's, it's so funny. He does a whole thing about how about company. And it's just, it's everything you need to know about. He's probably about our age and like company back in the day. And yeah. like, don't eat the cake. It's for company. <laughs> and it would be like an Entenmann's cake. <laughs> Again, I don't know if Entenmann's survived. 
Are they still out there? Oh, it's still out there. It was like, again, the height of like suburban elegance. You got an Entenmann's cake. Got to have an Entenmann's crumb cake. We used to have Lorna Dune cookies. Uh, for co- Again, for company. Those aren't just like, for you know, after school. Those were for company because they were they had it shaped like an S. These two words, Amy, do they mean anything to you? Peak friends? Peak friends? No. Peak friends. Oh, I'm going to link. Again, our Erica, who does all of our links for us, is going to have, and she's young. She's going to be like, what are you people doing to me? <laughs> Peak friends are a very serious cookie. They're much too good to waste on children. That was the Peak friends theme song. It was, they, <laughs> they were literally like, we're going it. It. Yeah. to say what everyone knows. Peak friends <laughs> are for guests, for company. They're not for the kids. Yes. And get towels. Towels are for company. My um, I, my friend's house, her mother had a bathroom, a powder room that we weren't allowed to use. Like we'd be over at their house playing Barbies or whatever. We weren't allowed to use that bathroom. It was the good. That's for company. For company. And it had, you know, towels that nobody could touch. And the toilet paper on the toilet with like a hat on it. You know what I mean? The crocheted like. Mm-hmm. It was all for company. We don't need the kids in there ruining. That's for company. Don't and, and don't put anything, any garbage in the garbage can. You have to leave it, leave it like that in museum ready condition. Yes, museum ready. I love the crocheted cover on the toilet paper. <laughs> I mean, the height of elegance, people. We can't let anybody know that we have toilet paper in our bathroom. We can't let anyone. That's another good one. We got a link to that bad boy too. Uh, what's his name? Chris. Oh God, I follow everything he does on Twitter. We can't let anyone know we sit. Yeah, company's coming. It's called. I will we'll put. We it. company's coming. We'll put that up too. Poor Erica is going to curse our names as she finds all these links. But yes, the guy who does, Chris Fleming is his name, and he does this bit, Company's Coming, and he screams at one point, we can't let anyone know we sit. And it is exactly what we're trying to talk about. Wow. I have joy chills because our childhood was awesome. Yeah. We had peak friends. We had powdered drinks at every meal. We did not have soda, but we did have penny candy. And we knew enough not to whistle in the house. That's right. Which I will pick up. What is grandma's name, Amy? Mary Connor Wilson. I will take up Mary Connor's cause and I will eliminate whistling from the okay. world. All right. All right. Watch this space for, for my new. I'm going to watch for my new podcast. <laughs> Let's stop whistling with Margaret Abel's. And that's coming to you soon. So our other news is we're on threads at What Fresh Hellcast on threads. Threads. People, we were just talking about candy vations. Nowadays, it's tech vations. People are like, wait a minute, not enough to just have Facebook, which is now called Meta. We got to have threads, but we're on threads. Yeah. Yeah. Find us on threads. We do threads. <laughs> That'll be fun for you. <laughs> we thread now. I'm too old. I'm like, that sounds like a new thing. I don't, who needs threads? But anyway, you need threads apparently, and we're on it. And with that, thanks so much for listening. And we'll talk to you next time. So long, everybody. Oh, hey, everybody. It's us, Blair and Molly, your old pals from Toddler Purgatory. Two moms who are also actors, who are also creative beings, who sometimes feel stuck. And this is our new podcast, Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. What happens when your creative spark just seems to disappear? Gone. Poof. 
Bye. See ya. What happens when life gets in the way of your creativity instead of nourishing it? That's what happened to Molly and me. We felt like the thing that drove us creatively stopped working and impending doom had in fact impended. Totally. So we decided to do something about it. And that was steal ideas about getting unstuck from the most creative people we can find. We talk to guests about how to break through the mucky, gluey, sticky wall that can get between you and your creativity. We hear about their journeys, their successes, their challenges, and even their bougie coffee shop orders. And we're not just talking Bob Ross type paint on paper artists here, though we talk to them too. We're talking to actors, creative directors, dancers, and people who are working hard to be their best creative selves in a world that can sometimes feel real uncreative. We all have something to teach each other, so let's steal their ideas together. Join us, won't you, as we deep dive into how to unstick ourselves from the life gunk that can get in the way of our creative freedom. Pandemics, school calendars, world events, lack of sleep, oh, get out of their life gunk. And let's get back to your best creative self. Subscribe to Unsticking It with Blair and Molly. You're not going to want to miss an episode. Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life sucks. Unsticking It. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy.